Hello, and welcome to Sherlock, from Adler to Amberley. An attempt to analyse all 56 of the Sherlock Holmes short stories by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. In order. Starting with the first story, A Scandal in Bohemia, featuring the celebrated adventuress Irene Adler, and finishing with the final story of the casebook of Sherlock Holmes, The Retired Cullerman, where Holmes and Watson accept the case from Mr Josiah Amberley. Hence, from Adler to Amberley. My name is Carl Kopak, and I'll be presenting this irregular series along with a special guest as we attempt to assess the value of each tale of the canon. A recap of The Adventure of the Dancing Men by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. We're back in Baker Street again. Holmes is messing around with a chemical experiment, um, which Watson's described as using some particularly malodorous product, which I really like. Um, and Watson's just basically sitting in his chair, not doing a great deal. Um, when Holmes says, So, Watson, you do not propose to invest in South African securities. This is news to Watson, who hasn't mentioned a thing, obviously. And we're, we're back to the old mind-reading thing again. Um, I think this might be my favourite one. Watson is, uh, of course, flabbergasted and says, you know, you, 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 you know, how do you possibly know that? It's impossible that you could know that. And he says, um, Holmes says, well, I wish you could sign something t to the effect that that's the case, because in five minutes' time, you're going to say it's really, really clear. Um, the reason that Holmes knows that Watson will not be investing in South African securities is because he has chalk between his left finger and his thumb. Perfectly simple. Um, now, he knows that he's been playing billiards uh, in his club um, because he puts chalk there to steady the cue when he plays. I thought it was on the tip of the cue myself. Never mind. Um, and he doesn't play billiards ex any, except anyone with, with, with anyone uh, other than his old mate Thurston. His old mate, of course, is never mentioned before or afterwards, after this story. Um, uh, more importantly, four weeks earlier, Watson had said to Holmes that um, Thurston had offered him you know, a chance to invest in this company. And um, Watson's checkbook was laid undisturbed in Holmes's drawer. We will be coming back to that. What the hell is Watson's checkbook being locked away by his housemates? Why is that? Um, so therefore, um, he doesn't do it. He's not going to invest. But then we get on to the main order of things. Um, Holmes says, look, if you really, really want a puzzle, um, have a look at this. And he hands him a piece of paper with like um, child-like stick men, I think we would call them in the UK. Um, some of them are holding flags, some are upside down, that sort of thing. He says, what the hell is that? And he says, just a child scribble. And he said, yeah, it's, it's not though. And there's a man coming in who's going to tell us all about it which is fantastic timing, perfect for the narrative, you might say. Um, and a man then enters called Hilton Cubitt, who is a gentleman who lives in Norfolk, as indeed do I. And um, he goes into a story about how he uh, met his wife, an American lady called Elsie Patrick. Uh, he met her at uh, the Grosvenor Hotel, or somewhere around the Grosvenor Hotel. Um, actually, no, I think it's Russell Square. And... Um, they got on and they got married four weeks later. But before they got married, um, she said to him, look, just to let you know, I've got a bit of a past. And even though I'm not um, 
I haven't done anything wrong myself. I've made some bad associations. So the bottom line is, if you marry me, then don't delve into those things. But I've not done anything wrong. And Cubit is a big fan of telling the world about what a great uh, his great family name is, which seems to be a bit of a thing with Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, particularly in this series, actually, particularly in the um, uh, in the, uh, the the return of Sherlock Holmes. Um, and they were very, very happy with that. They got married. It all went very well. Very, very happy together. And then one day, um, Cubit discovers uh, the dancing men. There's been a chalk, um, a ch- chalk drawings made um, on the walls of the house and in, in the out the outhouse. I think he says. Um, and um, he just says, oh, "I'm just going to." It's just one of those f- foolish things. And he tells Elsie this, and she absolutely faints. She panics, um, eyes rolling in her head, all that sort of thing. Um, and she says, well, "Look, if that happens again." will you make a copy of them and bring them to me? He says, okay. And he says, why is that? And of course, he says, well, you, 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 did, you did say, don't go into my past. And, uh, yeah, okay. Um, so over the next few weeks or so, more keep appearing, and um, he's, well, this time he's, he's making copies, and he's, he's giving them to his wife, but he's also keeping some for Holmes as well. So of course, what, and he says, oh, I don't know what this is, so she's, he's gone to see Holmes and Watson. Um, Holmes is very thoughtful about this, uh, he thinks this is a very, very dangerous thing um, and that um, it's, it's something he should look into. Um, he says, yeah, okay, let, let me know if you get any more then. And of course, a few weeks later, he comes back again and says, yep, yep, there's more. But what's more, I've seen the man who's writing them. Um, Holmes is, of course, very excited at this. Uh, Cupid says he sees the man who's who's um, who's drawing them and he gets his pistol to, um, uh, to go and fight um, sort him out um but um elsie gets in the way and says look no no don't do that no, no, nothing can come from this why don't we go away so i'm not going to be driven out of my house by a man drawing you know drawing things on a wall which is scaring the hell out of my wife and i don't know why which is, i think is a fair point um and basically he goes back to bed again but of course he's absolutely livid as, as you would be um Holmes is quite excited by this because, of course, with every single story, uh, there are more drawings, there's more data, and, and Holmes needs data to solve, you know, to work out what the dancing men mean, because clearly it's a message of some sort. Um, he says to, to um, uh, Hilton, why don't you stay in London for the night? And he says, actually, I don't really want to do that because my, I want to be close to my wife, who's obviously petrified. And I say, yeah, that's a good idea. You best go back then. Um, and then... Uh, there is a uh, another uh, another telegram with more dancing men on it, or, or, or a letter, or what have you. And it's a really, really long one. And Holmes has clearly worked it out because he says, "Right, we're going to Norfolk," which they do. They go to North Waltham, which isn't actually far from where I'm. About fifteen minutes away from where I am now. They get off the train at North Walsham and, and pretty much immediately they're approached by Inspector Martin, who's from the Norfolk Constabulary, and he says, "Oh." Um, uh, well, we, didn't, we weren't expecting you to be here. Have you come to solve the mystery? And he says, well, what mystery do you mean? And he says, well, um, Hilton Cubitt is dead. He's been shot. And he's been shot by his wife, by the looks of it, because she's, got a, she's um, also been shot. But um, she didn't die. Um, but um, obviously, she's, she's senseless at this moment. Um, this is completely thrown... Um, Holmes, he's, he's incredibly down about it. Very much like the five orange pips, very similar to that sort of head in hands, what have I done, could I have done more type approach. It's a very interesting thing which we're going to, we're going to talk about in the podcast. But they go to, um, Rid- I think, Riddling Thorpe Manor. Uh, there's lots of Thorpes in, in, in and around Norwich, actually. Um, so Riddling Thorpe Manor, I think it's an actual place. Um, uh, they go there and, of course, Holmes examines the room and says, like, you know, well, what's going on here? Obviously, so he finds that, you know... Um, 
Uh, Hilton Cupid is dead, uh, and his wife's on the other side of the room with with a gun near her. So now we've moved into a bit of a locked room <laughs> situation, like we did um, with uh, with the crooked man. Um, although no mongooses need apply this time. So Mrs. Cubit, as she is now, um, is insensible. She can uh, she can't talk. So Holmes has got to work all this out for himself. So he sets up a little courtroom where he interviews people. Um, obviously the staff, because they heard the gunshot. One of them says, uh, I think Mrs. King says that it sounded like an explosion, almost like, t- and he works out that that's actually two guns going off simultaneously to, to, to have a bigger blast. Um, and then Holmes says, well, maybe we should look for the, the, the bullet that was fired by the third person. Of course, Inspector Martin is freaked out by this. What do you mean third person? There's only two people there. And he says, no, there isn't, because there's a bullet hole here on the windowsill. There's been a ricochet. He also, um, because they were talking about fumes in the house, he also says that the window was being open and then closed um, as if someone was talking to someone outside of the window. Um, and also that there's a, there's, a, uh, there's a candle there which has been blown out. It's not, you know, they've not been there for a while. So he works out that there's been someone else there in the room as well. So he goes outside the house and has a search around there and he finds that um, the, 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 the revolver that fired one of the shots had an ejector. Um, so he finds that there's been a shell outside the house too, so there's definitely been a third person involved. At this point, we can tell that um, Holmes has pretty much got the whole thing. So he says to, uh, to, to, to um, I think it's the inspector, he says, um, is there a, a neighbourhood here called Elridge's? And they said, uh, no, but there was a, there's a farm called um, called Elridge's. And he says, oh, is it remote? And he said, yeah. He said, okay, um, in that case, get um, get a boy to saddle up and take this message over to him. So he writes down a little note, because we don't see what that is, uh, and they wait for him. Um, they're talking about the situation when a man walks down the path a bit, this is much later on, and says, um, and he says, it looks like he owns the place. He's, uh, he's got a hat on, um, very, very purposeful stride. Uh, and he knocks on the door and is shown into the room. He's immediately um, accosted by Watson the, uh, and get, you know, gets the old derbies on him. Um, and it turns out it's a man called Abe Slaney. And this is the whole point of the story. Abe Slaney was an American who um, Slaney talks, tells his story once he's calmed down a bit and stops trying to shoot everyone. Um, and says so uh, he and uh, he's a, a mob leader in, in Chicago and the head of that mob... Uh, had a daughter called Elsie Patrick. And so then she was um, sworn to me, um, and then she ran off. She ran off because she was petrified, obviously. Um, and the dancing men motif was um, a little code used by members of the gang. So she would have known what that was. So, of course, she, he'd been messaging her to say, um, uh, you know, I'm here, come to me, come to me. And the fact that Elsie has two E's means that um, it's a substitute code, and Holmes could work her out quite quickly from that. Although not quickly enough to say... Uh, Hilton Cubit's life. Um, the last message, which really, really got home to leave London, was Elsie, prepare to meet thy God. And he thought, right, this has gone too far. And um, he jumped in, but he jumped in a bit too late. Um, so Slaney's arrested. He's sentenced to hang, but he gets off with it because um, Cubit fired the first shot. Sorry, what ha- would have happened then is um, Mrs. Cubit was talking to Slaney through the window. When Cubit appeared, he fired a shot at Slaney. Slaney fired a shot back and killed him, and then uh, ran away, I suspect. And then Mrs. Cubitt shot herself, but sort of missed, but didn't. But in her stupor, she closed the window. Um, and that's how they could tell 
uh, how Holmes could tell that there'd been a third person there. Um, Sl- Slaney gets away with it because Hubert fired the first shot. Um, Mrs. Um, I was going to say Mrs. Slaney. No, that, that would have been a different story. Maybe I'll write that. Um, um, Mrs. Cubitt um, survived, survived, recovered, and spent the rest of her years looking after her husband's estate. And that is the adventure of the Dancing Men. Our guest for this episode to discuss the adventures of the Dancing Men is Paul Edwards. People may remember Paul from uh, the Christmassy tale we covered many, many years ago now on the show uh, when we did the Blue Car Bunker. We decided for some reason not to record that at Christmas, which I don't completely understand. So we've gone for the very festive Dancing Men instead with no... Not, not, not even the slightest mention of Christmas whatsoever. Um, when we spoke for the first, oh, I should explain by the way that um, although our guest is Paul Edwards, I've called him Paul maybe three times in my life. We've known each other for thirty odd years. We went, we went to the same school together. Um, I've never called him Paul Edwards. So if I, so if I ever call, him, if you, if I'm going to call him Ed or Eddie, that's why. It's just because we're, we're schoolmates. Um, last time we did the show, it was a quite a quiet time for you, wasn't it? global pandemic so can you remind people what your job is again and, and how that affected you the pandemic um well if you remember if people did listen to that show back in the day when it was in the middle of the very pand- popular one apparently uh well we we thought that was the the tough times and when the pandemic was coming to an end it would be back to the great times and let's be honest that's that's not happened <laughs> no. um, you know so uh, but back 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 then, I was looking after general practice, so it was all around vaccines and you know getting them out. Make in fact, I think don't even think vaccines have been invented. No, then. no, before that coming, and you know we got out of those woods. But now uh, I've moved to a hospital, and it's it's tough times. It's you know toughest I've ever known with A and E. You know, really busy all the time. You've got industrial action. You've got cost of living crisis. So it's this perfect storm of really horrible stuff going on at the moment, which isn't just the NHS. It's the whole country. And you know, any any idea if you just we just sat here back in 2020 and said, you know, the happy times are coming in 22. They really weren't. So you know, I think um, you know, just drawing it back to to what we're here to talk about today. If there was ever a time for some comfort reading, it's now because. (laughs) people just need to get under their snuggly blankets and read a good book and uh it's grim out there it really is so so you're now the director of corporate affairs i am i was that before in um uh in my old job as well as looking after the nhs i should say in case anyone's not yeah yeah, now it's the same in the hospital so my my world is sort of not as exciting as some of those folks on the front line and doing all the real hard stuff I'm, i'm more behind the scenes with you know making sure we've got uh, appropriate decision making processes and all the legal stuff that we have to do so you know t- to be fair my job isn't as nearly as tough as the kind of those those folks who are fighting on the front line to keep people well so you know and credit to them that they're doing a great job in, in the toughest of times so you know um but you know if anyone ever says you know well done you for working in the nhs i always take the credit you know <laughs> it's, yes, absolutely. it's an easy win <laughs> um, so do you, I, I should explain my my girlfriend was until last year a nhs nurse and um she would every time like you know when you see someone stenciled on a pavement thank you nhs or in a window with a rainbow and all that sort of stuff she would stop and say you're welcome literally every single time we cross one yeah um yeah, i just uh, we, we try and keep the politics out of this show but um um if you're applauding the nhs well there's a panic on why not pay them when they need the money 
it is a really tough time, you know, because, and again, without sort of commenting on the whys and wherefores, you know, not just nurses, but physios now, ambulance drivers. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, it's a bit of everyone, yeah. Oh, it's the whole spectrum. And, you know, in some ways, the ambulance driver one is the is the big unknown because, you, you know, with, with it's not, not great when you've got people on strike in wards, but you can sort of manage and put some cover arrangements in. But with ambulance drivers, you know, those are the guys who pick you up when, when you, you need to get yeah, into yeah. Well, you know, so that that's the uh, the real unknown at the moment, and uh, you know, first one this week. So it's it's gonna it's gonna be a tough winter. Even even if all that was resolved, it's still gonna be a, t- a tough time because what you contend with is, you know, just this week the one of the coldest snaps we've had, and you know, cold equals people going into hospital. But equally, um, you, you know, you've got the backlog from COVID still, so all those operations that didn't happen. So you've just got this, you know, say perfect storm of really kind of grim stuff all coupled together that that's going to make a tough winter. So you know, any as I say, anyone who's working in the NHS and b- battling on to get people well, you know, brilliant, brilliant that they're doing that great job. But um, you, you know, it's just um, I think I think you know, taken away from the NHS, that I think I probably said this back in 2020, but we've not really had any kind of good news stories in this country since the Olympics. <laughs> I think everything. No, and and there's a thing about. Oh, sorry, we are going to talk about Sherlock at some point. There's a thing Ian Wright made a really good point about the Olympics that you know the country didn't build on the spirit of 2012. No. It just sort of put it back in a box again, shoved it under the stairs, and when we went back to being miserable again. Yeah, I mean, just, one, one of the things, I mean, and again, maybe we just need to do a separate Sherlock episode while we put the world. Yeah. Through, but um, what, one of the things that that really surprised me uh, from our respective hometown, Carl, although neither of us live there now, uh, when Liverpool had capital culture, they they sustained it. You know, unlike say, you know, the Olympics or when when um, you know, other things have happened in the UK, Liverpool kept it going. Um, you know, and have, ha- have had great things every summer. The only thing about it a lot of it was was led by mayor joe who now is is in a bit of bother so you know whatever however, however that pans out he did a good job of keeping the spirit of the capital culture yeah. and you know every Let's not go into him too much to be honest then there's google for people who want to know about what happened there let's yeah. just say i don't not for us to comment but <laughs> for, for various reasons yeah Every summer and every winter, if you go to Liverpool, they've they've kept up some some artistic event or yeah, yeah. some festival, and it's it's great that they've they've managed yeah. to get going, you know. So anyway, that, that's that all all out the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, John, are we legally okay with that? Um, yeah, I, I decided to stay quiet, but we'd rather mention the dumpster fire that is the state of the UK government at the moment. But uh... <laughs> the dumpster fire. I quite like that. Okay, then we'll, we'll we'll put all that away for a second. Sorry, I'm just going to close the door because the dogs decided to walk in again. Um, yes, live shit a lot podcasting. Um, so the dancing men. It's the uh, it's in the we've moved across to the we're in the return of Sherlock Holmes now. It's the third section of twelve. I think it's twelve. Um, well, it's a standard question really because we we asked you the usual one about how you got into Sherlock Holmes. So, um, did you like the dancing men, Ed? Yeah, yeah, I do, I, I do like the dancer men. If you know, if you were going to point the story out to someone who had not read Sherlock before, it, it, it's a good, it's a good story. You know, I think it's one of those odd ones, and, and I'll come back to this later. Where if you, if you take something like the Five Orange Pips, where he, he clearly fails to, to prevent the murder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would argue he does the same here, and yet it's not seen as one of his failures because he, he captures 
It no, goes. I got I got that when I read it again. I thought, oh yeah, because he has his like three paragraphs of gloom, mm. and then they get back onto the story again. Yeah, but I think as a, as a story, it's in some ways it's an it's an odd one because there's actually two different mysteries in it that are linked together. Yeah. So, so the reason why it's not seen as a, a failure from his part is he solves the mystery, uh, but it's only the second part, which is how did the the two people who were dead end up that way? Yeah. Uh, whereas the first part. With, with the dance of men is almost just a prelude to that and in itself is not really yeah. the thing at, at its heart you know so um but it's, it's a good story and I, i've always got a bit of a soft spot for the ones where there's a bit of a tragedy in it as well and a bit yeah, more yeah 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 it makes it more fallible so yeah and you know it's got it's got all the good stuff as well you know any any story where it opens with a little bit of bit of bands with uh holmes and watson and in in yeah. And this has got the kind of another another mind reading example. Yeah, which I, t- I totally forgot about when I read it because obviously the resident patient and the second stain being the same one word for word, mm-hmm. paste. Uh, and I'd forgotten all about that one. Um, um, I'm just going before we go into detail. I, 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 what really struck me rereading it was it's it's very much the sister tale of five orange pips, mm-hmm. a message no one else can understand from an American. Um, until he deduces that and there's a little bit i think you're right the second half it is like a bit of a different story um and that went a bit crooked man in in terms of a lock room things going on that you don't know what's going on behind the room and then things couldn't have happened because the door was locked although of course in the crooked man they left the french windows open which strictly speaking is bigger than a locked door to enter um no one thought to go around the other side of the house so i I think there's elements of that i think i think I love the Dance of Men. I absolutely love it, and so did Sir Arthur because he placed it third in his in his favourite stories. Mm-hmm. Um, still, no message of the Mazarin Stone, um, but um, I, th- I think it is just one of the classics. And when I first read them, that was the one that made me think, "Oh, he's he's, he's not done an encryption one before." Yeah. So this is nice. Um, you were, before we started, just to put some uh, to shine some light on the magic here. You were a little bit reluctant to talk about the main issue, which me and John have addressed immediately, which is the horrendous news that Dr. John Watson does not own his own checkbook in as much as it has been taken from him by his friend and locked in a drawer. What the hell is happening there? You, you, you say that. <laughs> you say Come on, you must have a theory then. Why, why is he doing that? I mean, I mean, I I mean cool. isn't a, the message at some point that um, Watson locks away homes of syringe? That might be the Radio 4 version of it. I don't uh, know. No, I mean, it's, it's, I, I, I've always seen it as when, when, when I've thought about it, which is largely because you mentioned it, <laughs> 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 was that if, if, if you and I was digging my, digging my brains trying to work out where I'd seen it and I had a, I had a quick scan through and it's actually in um I think Shoskamol place Shoskamol place yeah which is the the in the in the, the last collection but it actually references Watson's you know ponchon for the GGs yeah. so yeah so my reading of it is basically to and I think there's some mention of Watson's brother being a bit of a you know a bad lad in terms of booze yeah. and gambling well so i think it's it's if it was being nice i'd say it's just it's just watson's voluntary effort to keep keep his gambling habit under control by by saying to sherlock just just lock it up for me if i ever need to go down the bookies say no uh, type of thing so uh equally it could just be watson hasn't got a lockable file place of his own so we just think <laughs> Just look after it for all these other needs. He's on his key again. He had his key somewhere. 
Yeah, so definitely uh, had to keep somewhere, and I need to get to that pencil sharpener, hole punch, and stapler. Yeah, now I, I, my own sense is it's it's purely to keep to keep him in check when he he, he fancies a flutter. He uh, he he's, he's, he said, look after it for me, and if I ask, you know, you've got to you've got to convince me a <laughs> good reason to let it out. Like just a dead set. You're the re- you're the reasoner. <laughs> you reason me out of it. Yeah, so for what it's worth, that's my reading of it. Although it's so it's so quickly glanced over in the kind of the these inferences that he talks yeah, around yeah. in the chain that you know I, I really didn't give it that much thought until until you mentioned it. But but then I thought right, I'm gonna I'm gonna chew this one over and come up with some good. <laughs> John, do you think that's the case as well? I, I'd, well, I'd, like to, I'd like to think it's more of an abusive relationship myself. <laughs> well, financially, you know, Holmes is financially controlling. Uh, <laughs> He's mugging him daily. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I think that's the, you know, the, the the generally accepted thing is yeah. that Watson likes a flutter. Shoskamo place, he says he spends half his pension. Yeah, half his war room pension. The horses yeah. and, the, uh, and stuff like that. And the... Um, is, is, it, is it the Robert Downey Jr. films which kind of expand it to what yeah, yeah. uh, you know uh, has cost them the rent a few times and uh, and stuff like that? Is there also something about Watson's father speculating or something, something like, that? like that? Yeah, because yeah. he made his he went to Australia, didn't he? To, to, yeah. to in on Australia, he mentions in I think I think that's Boscombe Valley. Um, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, what comes out of this more than anything else in these tiny inferences, but ne- but never sort of, you know, conclusively, is Watson's a bit of a lad, isn't he? Because he, oh, he, like, yeah. he, he likes getting on it with Stanford. He um, uh, he does like the ladies, uh, having knowledge of them from three continents. And he's a bit of a gambling man. He's the Terry McCann of Victorian literature. <laughs> There's a reference no one's going to get in a million years. I believe, I believe next to the key to the checkbook, there's the key to the lockup as well. So. <laughs> <laughs> and he, and, he, and he's, he's got mates who can get him in on a nice business deal in South. He's, he's Arthur Daly, pretty much. <laughs> um, and, and what happens to Thurston? Never mentioned before or after. No. Now, now you think now you've mentioned that I'm pretty sure in some of the patch illustrations he's got one of those kind of Arthur Daly overcoats with the black. He coat. has. <laughs> yeah. Oh, by the by the way, in case I forget, can we just talk about at some point Abe Slaney's drawing by Paget? It's mm. absolutely fantastic. He might as well just write American with a big arrow pointing at him because uh, he's got the Stetson on and everything. Um, it's I, a- I the actual story, which of course I'm reluctant to get into, just because I I, I mean I I love the um. I, th- I think it is my favourite mind reading bit. I prefer it to the, you know, the the beaches and things like that, just because um, uh, it involves billiards, and I quite like the fact that. Oh, he also plays billiards, so of course he hangs around in clubs a lot, Watson as well. I think I think this is I think this could be the best Watson watch ever, and he hasn't done anything because he never does anything really. Um, as to the actual story, um, it's pleasing for me that it sets it it takes place in in Norfolk, mm-hmm. where I am at the moment. It's quite nice. So that's also a little callback to which is the other Norfolk story, uh, Gloria Scott, Donningthorpe in Norfolk. Um, they get off at what a North Walsham station. I might have to go to North Walsham today uh, for a long Christmas-related story. Um, but what really strikes me about the Dancer Men more than anything else is the frankly bizarre wedding between Hilton Cuba and Elsie Patrick. Um, is it four weeks from hello, my name's Hilton Cubit, 
to wedding day and a little bit in between of by the way don't ask me any questions is he just besotted with her and just thinks okay i'll just leave it there that struck me as a bit odd frankly yeah i mean i think i think that really is at the heart of it isn't it in, in the sense that you know he clearly is besotted and it, it was whirlwind that the, i mean if you're in into your sort of Victor, victoriana there's something questionable around a, an unaccompanied woman staying in, in a place on her own as yeah, well yeah and then you know, without you know this whirlwind romance without a chaperone and all those sorts of things so if you read any other victorian stuff uh, you know there's always that sense of, of propriety with, with courtship and that's not the case here so you're right it's, it's a quirky one but in some ways it it, it serves the story, doesn't it? Because if, if she said, like, I'm going to fess up and tell you everything, mate, there's, just, there's, there's no real need for the dancing there at all. Yeah. Is there really? But, uh, I mean, the, the question it raises is, why didn't she just tell him? Exactly, yeah. That, that That's what I keep coming to. Um, you know, there's these dancing men thing that have appeared on the wall. Oh, shit, you know what that is, don't you? Oh, man. Okay, well, it'll be all right. We can scare him off. We'll get the police involved. And the, the story ends. I, I I never buy the yes. I didn't want to embarrass you because of your family name. No, because your family name might might be good to you, but it just sounds a bit silly to everyone else. Hilton Cubit. Yeah, come on. That's a great name, isn't it? It is a fantastic. It might it might be his best one actually. And <laughs> and, and but bear in mind that John and I are from uh, Jack the Ripper circles. Sorry, Whitechapel Murders for that title. Um, and there's some fantastic names in that, isn't? I can't remember a name, John. That is the oh, there's a woman who got arrested. It's 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 it sounds like round the hall. It's something like Victoria Counterblast. It's not quite like that, but there's quite a few of them. Um, my favourite one in in Ripper Circles is the fact that the investigator, one of the inspectors who worked on the third case, the Liz Stride murder, went by the name of Inspector Pinhorn, <laughs> which just sounds like a 1970s comedy cartoon somewhere inspector pinhorn of the yard sir probably a dog dressed in an overcoat i'm digressing um yeah i, th I think i think there is, there's... <laughs> for some reason in cartoons in the 70s the detective was always dressed as a dog dressed in a big overcoat and a hat um trust me on this i'm an old man back to the story the the I, I think I, I think that's where the, the, the only part where the story falls down, and I don't think it does fall down, because for a start, it's episodic, which is quite rare. Because normally it's just, this has happened, bit of a red herring, let's do some examining, let's have a go at the Strayed or Mycroft, whoever's around, I've solved it, and on we go. And this one really is. Big mystery, strange wedding, big mystery, almost fight, and then the good man dies. But he solves it anyway. But what struck me initially, and why I like this so much, I think, it, it's, 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 I like it because he dies, is, again, Sherlock Holmes is fallible. Mm -hmm. And in the first few stories, he's not, he doesn't solve hardly any of the first five or six. Because you've got Scandal of Bohemia. He doesn't do that. He lets Windybank go from Case of Identity, John's favourite story. Uh, and some of them aren't actually crimes at all. And we haven't had this for a bit. So I think it's interesting while he's on such a good run. And and also everything in the section of Return of the Sher of Sherlock Holmes is based on the fact that he's Holmes 2.0 because he's back from Reichenbach. Yeah. Yeah. Do you so think that's a significant thing that he's just brought he's brought him back and still made him infallible, even though he's knocking around with the head lasser of Lama and you know, in Tibet and what have you. No. I mean I think I I 
I'm I'm less of a convert on the the whole. You know, he's a different man after Reichenbach, and you know, Conan Doyle was bored with him. Well, we know he was bored with him. In some ways, I don't. I've never bought the the ACD line that if you read the stories backwards, that you'd find that the one latter ones are of high quality as the first. They're not. Absolutely, (laughs) it doesn't miss with the first twelve. No, he, he doesn't. And but but I I would say with this one, it, uh, and it's interesting if you look at the the Jeremy Brett sequence, they put it second in the adventures. So yeah, it, yeah. And I would agree that this sits as well as any of the initial run of and 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 in fact, I've the the I'll I'll, I'll I'll touch on this in a moment. But I think it easily trumps something like Five Orange Pips because Five Orange Pips he could he could have presented if he got his fingers out and got yeah yeah we, 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 we that with Leslie Klinger and he said yeah well if you read uh any just no- go and sort it out just go and sort it out Sherlock he doesn't die no and, and the thing is I mean he, he's wildly inconsistent sometimes and I get the logic in this one that he needs more dancing men to yeah. solve, solve the puzzle but he'll he'll range from uh, you know when a client presents to I'm busy at the minute I'll, I'll come down when I'm when I'm bothered about it in a few yeah. weeks to I'll I'll see you tomorrow uh, or I'll come back with you on the train. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and in this one, you do think could could he have done something sooner? Like you know, while we're waiting for the for the new you know dancing men to turn up, I'll come down and stay with you and, and keep an eye on things. But he doesn't do that. No. And you, in 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 isolation, there's a logic to it because he rightly says I need to know more about you know the cipher. But in other stories, he just at the at the merest whim hops on the next train and goes to wherever the 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 issue is, you know. So uh, in some ways, there's a kind of frustration with him sometimes that you think, look, mate, when you got a client, just just go down there straight off the bat and you'll be fine. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Also, the bit when he says, you know, um, are you going to stay in London tonight, Mister Mister uh, um, Hilton, Mister Cubitt? I said, no, I can't. We, we won't. I've just mentioned, mate, my wife's absolutely petrified. She is absolutely petrified. And now, if I stayed away. And you might as well add, but I'll go back because I can't be shot. Oh, I can. I can be shot, actually, here. Um, And and Holmes doesn't see the danger in that. Even when it's like, you know, it's fairly obvious that she's petrified and she's got every right to be petrified and she's clearly got a secret. Yeah. yeah. And yet he's still sort of, yeah, but I want to see what what little cipher is the letter T. Yeah. (laughs) You know, so he doesn't he doesn't really look at the danger he looks at the cipher doesn't he so yeah. uh, and you know let's be honest there's a lot of artifice in this story because things like the rushed marriage the um you know the fact that he doesn't go down straight away if he did those things there wouldn't be a story so those those things have to happen to enable yeah, of course, yeah. <laughs> don't they so um but you know otherwise we're just left with a billiard queue and back to watson's checkbook again yeah, end of story. And it turns out it was all all right. End of story. Sense for me, and it always has been, and it it might well defeat the object of us having this chat. But um, if if you analyse the stories too much instead of just reading them at a canter and just enjoying them, you, you do start to find all sorts of holes in them, which which you can't shake off so once you know that plot holes in there um so I, i've got you know as any decent homes fan does a ton of uh, annotated editions not not least the leslie Klinger um, mammoth set and but in doing that you, you sort of you, there is a danger sometimes that if you spot a plot hole that's been picked up you think oh, all right okay i know that now and you've got to not let that spoil your enjoyment of the story you know so it's 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 great that someone's done all that due diligence and it's great someone's done all that background stuff and i know leslie's a fan of the show but um 
if you there is a danger and the five orange pips is a good example once it's pointed out that it there's a big hole in the middle of that story it's hard to enjoy it quite so much you know what i mean bizarrely though i i i enjoy it more <laughs> yeah i do because i don't think i like you know when you're watching a standard detective tv series and things like that and you know there's four minutes left you you know that he's going to find he she is going to find the murderer sort all that out put three or four bcd plots together and give you that with a little bow around it mm-hmm. and i like the fact that he's um I love the fact that he's cantankerous. I love the fact that he's very, very snobbish. I like the fact that even though he says, you know, please whisper Norbury in my ear if, if you think I'm not giving my uh, my cases the, the, the diligence they require. Well, that's most of them, mate, to be honest. You know? <laughs> and you don't have moan about um, the fact that you haven't got a case for a bit, but then you get one, you're not bothered with it, which I know that they mentioned that on the telly as well. Um, I quite like the fact that they're, they're, you don't, you, you're not guaranteed the, you know the the hearts and flowers at the end of it. I quite like that. And when I when I read this for the first time, I remember exactly where I was when I read it, and just thought that's quite unusual that he's thinking. You know, um, it, it reminds me of some ways. You know, the old well, I know you do because we talked about it all the time. But the the old police squads, you know, that became the Naked Gun, the TV series, where they'd introduce like the big guest and starring William Shatner, and William Shatner gets shot in the open frame, so he's not in it at all. It just reminded me of that a bit. It's like you know, here's the big guest. Um, right, we've killed him. Oh, I've, oh, okay. All right, let's do that. So there's a little bit, it makes it a bit more realistic. And I don't know if that was a thing in Victorian times of, I'm going to use the word verisimilitude, um, that, 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 you know, that there was more of that in stories and everything else became a bit fabricated afterwards towards yeah. the happy ending. Yeah, I mean, I think, um, I mean, I've, I've said this before and I might well have said this on this show, but, you know, to, to me, it, it, it there's a reason why the stories are called the adventure of yes and yes. you know it's to me the good yarns you, you know so a romp this is an absolute romp it, it, all the dudes stand around talking most of the time if people you know who didn't didn't know the stories or even knew sherlock by by name would would think about puzzles and solving puzzles and that that's really quite a small part of, of the stories and the dancer men as i say it's sort of it starts as a kind of puzzle but it, it's not that that's not the crime and that's not what needs to no. it's the murder and so you know it is that it's just a bit you remember i think more than anything else yeah yeah and i think you know the the the, the times when the you know i think in uh charles augustus milton the camped out and they break into his house and that kind of stuff that that's that's what it's all about you know? fucking, yeah <laughs> that's the bit it, it's the um quick quick man if you value your life you know those that sort of dialogue and Quick yeah. and hats and coats. Yeah, so you know, I think uh, to, to me, this is this is a good example of that. So it, it, there's a puzzle element to it, but it's it's the classic opens in Baker Street with a little bit of chat and you know uh, friendly stuff, uh, you know, and then that then the, the the client comes and we're on our way, you know. So um, it, it it's a it's a classic in that sense, and I say it sits for me up there with with any of the, the best of the adventures. So. Um, but but you know inevitably as the stories go on, the, the, there's going to be repetition. So we know yeah. that the replay of a whole load of plot devices. But that yeah. that important. It's just it is around the kind of it's. I've not done this one before. I think that I think that's what really struck me. Genuinely, the, the stories I don't enjoy are the ones where he's frosty with everyone or he's he's snappy with Watson because we don't want that. We want we want the. I do. The, <laughs> I mean, <weird. laughs> yeah. 
uh, but I, I, John, I, John, happy or frosty? You've got the you've got the casting vote on this. It, it depends who he's uh, who he who he's doing it to. Um, I I quite like when he's chummy with Watson, but then gets frustrated with him. Um, yeah. But I like when he's snappy at, at Lestrade um, or, or whichever detective it is at the time. Um, and also when he gives a dressing down to someone who's like a. Um, uh, someone involved in the case, like the even the clients, sometimes when they get a dressing down for being a bit thick, I do, I do quite like that as well. Yeah, resident no, patient, no. where he has a go at um, yeah. the man who gets killed, and the resident patient is like, I, I, I cannot help you if you if you must lie to me. Or the other red-headed league, when he's like, uh, I don't see what you've got to complain about, mate. You know, you've uh... <laughs> <laughs> you've got you've got loads of money for doing nothing. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. I think I think you're right. Now you've sort of mentioned that it's it the, the bit that works is the kind of it's the it's the camaraderie with Holmes and Watson, and yes. in some ways that that that's heightened if he's washed fish with other people so with this one it's it's the nice easy you know he state he states off you know if i told you how i'd how i'd do this you're going to say it's absurdly simple and then that's exactly what watson does yeah you know so that that that's a nice touch but you know um so so i think it's got all of those things i mean i think in, in many ways Watson doesn't do a lot other than that at the start does he so well, i was going to say we, we should come to watson watch and once again it's a very brief Watson watch. He's so passive in this one that he even hands over his checkbook. Um, possibly at gunpoint. That's that's yet to be established. Let it go with the check. <laughs> why why doesn't he send Watson to to keep an eye on things while he's he could have just done that because he does that with the retired Cullerman, doesn't he? He just sends him ahead. Obviously he's got there's a reason why he does that. But does he also um, doesn't he also do with the solitary cyclist as well? Um, yeah, and he's useless. Yeah. Which <laughs> is next, isn't it? It's next yes. in the solitary cyclist. So, so yeah, maybe, maybe. I, I actually think that you know, hands of the basketball soldier cyclist. Basically, Cheryl looks having a party, and he just wants what's his He's got something going on on Netflix. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of telly he's got to get through. Going on with with somebody or other, and it's like, you know, just pop down and watch this woman on a bike, mate, and I'll I'll give you the buzz in a few days. He's got Irene Adler coming around, you know, uh, for the weekend. Yeah, exactly, yeah. He's going to be dressed up in a page boy outfit, so it's all exciting. Yeah. <laughs> Great news all around. We're all happy. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, in fact, Saucy Cyclist is, is, the next, um, is, is the next story. We, we've got Catherine on to discuss that. And, um, yeah, Watson, he just sort of stands there, doesn't he? He does, he does. And I think, you know, um, th this is typical of a kind of what... what oh, he gets, he gets, he gets the, um, the derbies on Slaney. That's what he does. Yeah, you know, he's got to, he's got to have a bit of there as well, hasn't he? So I think, I think if anything, again, you've got, if you look at the kind of rest of the makeup of the, of, of the people in the story outside of the main protagonist, you've got, you know, the, the coppers who are in that, you know, we love you, Sherlock, take over and do the job and we'll and, and that's that's uh, always again a nice thing if the if the police are sort of letting him do his thing rather than him battling against it in a way he does with the straight sometimes um but what what doesn't come across in, in in the way that it does in a lot of other stories where he interviews the the what let's be honest the lower orders is there's no sense here of him turning on the charm you know because usually when he's going to interview maids and things he, he, he he's referenced many a time of you know he he totally wins them over with but here he, he just basically sets up a room and fires it's questions a courtroom, yeah according according to the, to the page drawing 
it is basically just like a kangaroo court. He gets this big high-winged chair, which I'd like, by the way. It's Christmas coming. If anyone fancies get me one of those, uh, I've got one already. Um, and he, yeah, it's 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 not like um, is it the Golden Pond's name where he's just sort of hobnobbing in the kitchen, you know, just having a nice chat. This is right. You're you present your evidence, which is yeah. a bit hard to someone who's just watched two people be shot, well, or heard them at least. Yeah, so so he, he he really is just getting info out of them, you know, like the loud bang and the smoky smell and stuff. But there's no putting them at their ease or anything like that. And that that is unusual because this is usually a reference to how he makes it easy for people to give info because he puts them at their ease and that kind of thing. But not not in this one. He's straight in there. Firing away. I think that could be the shock news from when he gets off the train, though. Yeah, yeah. I think that could sort of just sort of you know purify his mind a bit of sort of like you know yeah, there's no room for nicety there's never room for nicety anyway yeah but um but i mean uh, that, that does lead us to a, another interesting point that you know you know she's obviously elsie there a bit of a you know a bad one for keeping the old secrets and what have you but she must be a bloody awful shot she, she can't even shoot herself properly <laughs> yeah no i said i said, I said on recap she, she shoots the um she then shoots herself but sort of misses but doesn't no, it's, yeah, uh, it be actually, one thing I didn't mention in the recap was that was the thousand pounds. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I, I think old Elsie should have got some of them golden pawns night approver in of her own. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so, so her her basic plot is basically to say, "I'll just give you a grand, off you go, mate," and then you definitely, definitely won't be coming back and doing that again once you've spent that grand, will you, Abe? No, she missed, she's missed the point there. But I think I think again, what's what's unusual and inconsistent about this one is once Abe tells his tale about you know his his love for Elsie and stuff, that's the kind of territory. Let's be honest, where Sherlock would normally go. Oh, I'll let you off then. Um, but he, <laughs> he doesn't do that. He just basically says, right, you've had your say. Now get to the cells, mate. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you know, and, and I think in this case, uh, probably rightly so. So there's no sense of injustice there because he did didn't let him go. Um, although there is a mention of you know it is his death sentence was commuted he to servitude. Yeah. So whether Sherlock felt a bit sorry for him, you know that. And to be fair, Hilton did find the first shot. It's a Han Solo thing in my book. I think Hilton fired the first shot, and uh, you know, so if we if we treat it's a Han Solo and Greedo scenario, and yeah. Not non-Star Wars fans can Google that one. Um, I, I think at that, no point does Greedo cross the Atlantic to wage a war of abuse, trolling, st- well, stalking. It's, it's a stalker story, isn't it? Really? Yeah, it would be about, about something he didn't have in the first place. Elsie so, yeah. away from this bloke with like a, a green scaly head, then you can sort of see a bit more of more logic to her actions. We'll try and tie that into Watson's checkbook in some way or form if I can do that. Maybe that's know. for the Stetson. Maybe that's for the Stetson hat. Ah, the Stetson, yeah. The green scaly head. It, it is. It is a fantastic. I know. I know. It says um, in the Radio Four adaptation that um, when Slaney walks down the path, he's walking like he owns the place. Mm. Um, I just wonder if he could try and stand out a little bit more with his attire. Yeah, yeah. It's, the fact uh... that he's already fired. Uh, he fired a gun, which has got an ejector thing, which suggests it might be an American gun as well. Mm. Um, she's American. He's not great at covering his tracks, but maybe he's a Chicago boss, though, isn't he? So he doesn't really need to. Yeah, I know. I know you said you like, you like the page drawing. I I like the American drawing. Is it the steel drawing? Yeah. Um, of him, where he's in like the uh, the proper white gangster suit with the steel yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yes, impressive. I sort of quite like Abe Slane. He, um, I, I disagree. I, I don't think he should be let off at all just because it's not just about the shooting. The bit beforehand was a little bit illegal too. Yeah. It's breaking an entry for a start. It's vandalism. Yeah. Yeah, there, there is. What have gone down for vandalism and nothing you, else? You two are just hard-hearted. You two are that. <laughs> it's not letting everyone go. That's what I'm saying. Uh, so yeah, no, I yeah, think you haven't done the Abbey Grange yet, but God, he, he, he did, he did kill that man, you know. Oh, you know, if no one can find out, then you're all right with me. Same with Boston Valley. He killed a man with a rock, for God's sake. Yeah, best let him go because he's dying. It's not, it's not really the point, is it? <laughs> it's not. It's, um, yeah. Well, it's too late now. The, he's done his penal servitude. So. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I bet he's, I bet he's totally reformed now. Sorry, I'm yeah. not to sound very right wing in my views on crime and punishment. <laughs> no, I, I do, I do know that you know uh, that there's a whole raft of stories, isn't there? When there's a little bit of you know, either American or Australian no gooders in there, so there's any over kind of overseas criminals. They're usually from one of those two places, aren't they? So and, and usually about the past, something that had happened thirty years beforehand. You know, so you've got that in the five orange bits. You got it in. Um, so you know, um, so yeah, so it's it's amazing really when you think how popular he was in in America in particular when most of the Americans in his stories are all a bit dodgy. You know? Yeah, had a secret society in as well for good for good measure. Um, yeah, yeah, that's right. You know, so if it's not the Chicago mob, it's Ku Klux Klan. It's all going on, isn't it? You know, and uh, I think. Um, you know, but to be fair, I mean, from what I've, what I've gathered, he, he was sort of, he, he did his homework on these secret societies, didn't he? So, you know, and and particularly in something like the Valley of Fear, he, he sort of really, really, really gone to town on the background of the unions and the Teamsters and that kind of thing. So, you know, he, he wasn't just kind of making this up in the, in the hope that the readers wouldn't be able to check it out you know obviously didn't have google in those days but they can do now but um you know so as much as he could though those have a veracity about them don't they you know and i think that's that's again one of the things that, that he was good at his his stories were plausible uh but yeah it was just a it was a convenient thing that, that there were two countries there that gave him an effort to supply stories by secret societies or villains and you know it does a bit later on as well when, he, when there's um I've been thinking about you know sister stories and there's definitely a red circle and six Napoleons crossover. Mm. Um, we're, we're going to be doing the six Napoleons with Neil Atkinson, um, where he um, it, it's about breaking an oath or somewhere and, and loyalty and mafioso type stuff in both of those stories. Yeah, one's trying to get away from something and one is a revenge story. Um. So maybe this is just sort of, I mean, it could have been literally right for, you know, for, for the popularity of the times and American gangster stories by the time he got on to doing the return. Or maybe he wanted Sherlock to have a look at that world a bit more because I, mean, I know there's the, so the noble bachelor isn't the most fascinating story where uh, he's, he says at the end, like, you know, it's, it's always a pleasure for me to meet an American. And he brings it, you know, he brings in that sort of thing. And of course, the very first story, the study in Scarlet is an American West story. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, the, 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 there's elements of that a bit. Um, I just wish in some ways that he wouldn't... Well, I think maybe it's, we're doing... They're all sort of bunged up together in the middle. There's a lot of stories he tends to rely on about wives who have a secret that they don't want to share because they don't feel they can. It's not just this, it's the yellow face as well. Yeah. Which is about an American woman who comes back with a secret and doesn't want anyone to know about it. Um, yeah. Bit of a and, pressure, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, and I've only just thought about that now. It's, it's pretty much a, a similar thing. Um, I still like the Dancer Men. I really, really rate it. I, I just think it's it's inventive. It's strong in everything. And you know, even though we are we are you know taking a piss out a bit of fun and you know not turning up on time, um, it it is just a standard. It's a plot device. I like the fact that he fails. I really like that. I like the fact that I'm now writing fan fiction about a checkbook. Um, that's a big thing too. Um, I think in the general run of things, I think apart from the first five or six of the adventures, this is where he's really, really, it's strong story, strong story, strong, not much. So just to go back from this, so the first one in this series is The Empty House, big story. Norwood Builder, I love, John doesn't like it because he doesn't like rabbits. Um, then there's this one, Solitary Cyclist, which is a big one, Priory School, Black Peter, Milverton, the six Napoleons, and then it sort of wanes a bit with the three students, Golden Paz named Missing Three Quarter. Um, I just think this little stretch of story now is is basically what he was saving up for for those years he didn't write. He yeah. just thought because I think what comes after it, I know we were at the case book really late with the odd dodgy one on there, Blant Soldier, stuff like that. It's all right, but you know, yeah. it's um uh I think he's his interest is definitely waning here. But I think when he comes he's come back to write this. What was it again, John? Was it, it, it Sherlock's away for two years, but there's ten year difference between the memoirs and the return. Yeah, it's something like that. I think it's um hang on. Um I'm typing furiously here while I look this up again. Um he's looking it up in his mind. So um yeah, so the memoirs um is eighteen ninety four. Um Hound then is uh nineteen oh one, return is nineteen oh five, and then um the great hiatus was I wanna say eighteen ninety one to, to three. Um, I think it's that, yeah. Yeah. Uh, great hiatus estimated of course, because we don't have the actual dates because watson doesn't give a chronology uh yeah 1891 to 94 sorry according to the uh was three i thought it was only two yeah i think it's that's according to the um uh, i think it's called the leslie Klinger. it is it's uh, that time oh no so it's the baron gould uh, chronology okay yeah so i, th- I think maybe that's why he... so he's got all those years off where he doesn't have to write Sherlock. of course he didn't have to write hand of the baskervilles for sherlock it just worked that Sherlock would be in it because it's the, the story comes first rather than the lead character there, and I think at the end he starts talking more about the lead character than the story. You know where you get more showing off and you get more sort of things like that. The, the, the less story, but I mean I'm I'm bound to ask at this point. Thinking about the great hiatus, he goes over the cliff. Um, sorry, over the falls with Moriarty, while um, Watson is too busy chiseling into a desk in London because he hasn't got the key. Right, I'm going to write this down. There uh, we go. Yeah. <laughs> this, this is where Eddie said he's never ever coming back ever to do one. <laughs> oh, I'll, I'll send you a checkbook if you just. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I just, I just love about the fact that when I read that, I just thought I literally said out loud, "What? What's he doing that for? Why is he locked that away?" Um, well, there's not much else we can get out with the dancing men. I think um, it's just I, I, he ranked it as number three. Um, did he have Speckle Band at one? I can't remember, um, and, and probably Scandal as well. It's it's just I think Speckle uh, Band was at one. Yeah, I think quite rightly so. Um, it's it's just a glory, and of course, there's been parodies of it as well. The BBC Sherlock they had it. 
mixed with the Bruce Partington plans, which is, of course, the anomaly for the casebook because it's my favourite story in the worst collection of stories. Um, but they, they have it there. And it's, it's sort of like, I think that I read on Wikipedia that there's a Batman reference to it as well. He writes a reference that on the, in using dancing main characters and someone's worked it out and he's telling Alfred to get his gear and his car ready for when he gets out of this something. I don't know. I don't, I don't really watch Batman, to be honest. Um, John, did you like The Dancing Man? I, I did. Sorry, I'm a bit of disbelief here that he put Red-Headed League as his second favourite story. I, just yeah, I like the Red-Headed League. I like it, but I think it's the second best. So um, good he wrote yeah. it twice. Oh, well, three times he wrote it twice. Yes, yes, I, I, I do enjoy the dancing men. I like, I, I, I like the, um, I like the little puzzle. Uh, that is, it's kind of what you expect Holmes to be doing, you know, solving a little code and stuff like that. And then he gets a bit actiony towards the end, so it's got a bit of a, a bit of a balance between the two rather than one or the other. But I like the fact he fails. Um, I, um, it, it does make it seem less formulaic. Um, than, uh, than than some things. Yeah, I I I, I just think it's strong. I just think, it's, I, I, think I, it's... I do I do think it's a great story, and it, it, you know it's it's a story, isn't it? It's not a puzzle. It's it's a story, and I think that's great. I mean, the the one thing that that would have been unfortunate is if a name wasn't Elsie, you probably would have been scuppered with that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's got all letters straight away, and it's the most common letter in the alphabet. So if, if it was, you know, Davina Cuba, he'd, he'd have been absolutely buggered there, wouldn't he? Expect a pinhorn, but he would have got the N, I suppose. <laughs> what, <laughs> what, what's his favourite governess's name? Um, the one he always uses. Violet. <laughs> Violet, yeah. Violet. Yeah. Violet might have worked. Yeah. Annie, Annie, you're in, you're in all sorts of trouble. He got vowels, I suppose, but was it was it four Annies in a row he had at one point? <laughs> Well, uh, thanks very much for coming on. So you're gonna you're gonna sort out the NHS's problems before I, the new year. I, I will give it my best shot, but uh, you know, ba basically, self care's the way, guys. Let's keep that pressure off A and E. So if you've got a bit of a sniffle, <laughs> you're telling people not to injure themselves or don't, get sick. Don't, don't go near any sharp objects or anyone with a cold. <laughs> no DIY over Christmas, you know, and uh, <laughs> break or anything like that. And uh, I think we just need a revolution. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Put the cavernous backs against the wall, and yeah. Well, I, I read somewhere that there's an injury with people um, putting on jumpers at Christmas because this this is the, the the month where people get most jumpers in the world, and they can injure themselves putting them on. Well, that's static. That, it really is. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I I injured myself singing karaoke on Friday, so I can believe it. No, I'm going to have to push you for that. Go on. How can well, you? Well, because I, well, I, so I was, I went out for my work Christmas party, and I, it was, there was karaoke. So I was singing um, Mr. Meatloaf's "I Would Do Anything for Love," you know. And you got those bits, you know, it's kind of like really oof, you know. And then I sat down, and I had a really bad stitch in my side. Um, and then as the night went on, I just had this massive pain from my. I think I must have pulled a muscle singing Meatloaf. It's. I'm still a bit sore. <laughs> I've, just, right. I've just got this image of Eddie walking into a and &E, seeing you sat there holding your side, just shaking his head slightly, slowly, and just walking back out again. Yep, it's another <laughs> singing injury. People weren't listening at the end of the podcast. So please, don't sing over Christmas. Don't move. Make, make Eddie's life a lot easier. 
Um, try, try not to go near anything with breath, if you can. Don't inject yourself with anything that you shouldn't. I've moved the fridge freezer this morning, um, so I'll try not to do that. But Ed, thanks so much for coming on. Um, uh, if you'd like to come on for another show, feel free. You probably don't want to after this. Not usual, always happy to, but you know, a couple of conditions, one of them being not the Mazarin Stone. And... We're doing a panel. I think we are going to do a panel for that. Because I think we sort of have to. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. Don't 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 even think of putting me on it. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll I'll draft you in for something sort of something ropey near the end. Because you've had some that. You've had the blue cardboard. You've had that dancing men. You've done all right. You can put me in into in into the cardboard box if you want. Have you done that? Have you done you it? Done um, I'll tell you what's left. Um, uh, for casebook, I've got. Sorry, this is on 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 air admin. I've got the Mazaran Stone, Thor Bridge, Creeping Man, Sussex Vampire, Bland Soldier, Shoshkum, and I think I'm going to get Neil to do the retired column because he started the whole thing. Um, we're okay for... It's Last Bow. There's only seven stories. Uh, and he'd Red Circle and Last Bow. And I think that's about it. Yeah, not not, not the, the best spread there, to be fair. Well, that's the thing, yeah. Yeah, obviously all the good ones are... All, all the good ones have, have gone already. Really, you can have. I disagree. Um, Thor Bridge is good. I think Thor Bridge is is top ten for me. Yeah. Yeah. Go on. I'll I'll have Thor Bridge. Okay. If anyone else snaffles it up. <laughs> live, live, live admin. By the way, if anyone who's listening to this is thinking, Do you know what, I'd love to be on that show, but it's all because all the guests are repeated. Then we've got we've got nothing on. I mean, so ne the next one we're going to do is Catherine Cook, who's going to do the solitary cyclist. I don't have anyone for the Priory School Black Peter. So if you'd like to come on and, uh, can I just say, and I mean this, I, I say this with love, absolute love. Just because you're selling your book doesn't mean you can just come on and talk about your book in Sherlock. You have to have read the story as well. This, this this is something that happens at the very, very start of this when someone said, I've got this book about this. Can I have Scandal in Bohemia? So we've been going for two years, mate. Bohemia's <laughs> number one. Of, just because you're selling your bloody book doesn't mean, I mean you do have to read at some point. Okay, um, Ed, cheers, mate. Thanks for coming on. You're already booked in. We've got it's some. A it's a pleasure. I would like to thank our hosts at Rippercast, as well as producers Jonathan Mengus and John Reese. A special thank you too to Andrew Firth, who created both the graphics and the theme music. You can contact us on Twitter at Adler to Amberley. Thank you for listening.